Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. This is the podcast for experts who want to grow their businesses while making an impact in the world. And um, we go live and we release episode a couple of times a week, um, one with a guest, then we interview clients. And also there are some solo shows that I do to share the behind the scene of the work that we do here at GTEx. So if you are, if you want to become an authority in your field, you want to learn from other experts, uh, influential people in their field, then this is the right place for you. And the episode that we are going to talk, uh, the conversation that we have today is around marketing in a post-pandemic world. Uh, as you know, things have changed. Things have changed and uh, our marketing needs to adapt. The way we talk to clients needs to adapt. And that's why what our guest is going to talk about. But before we introduce our guest, I want to remind you that if you haven't downloaded yet our database where you can find a publicity database, where you can find more than 500 publications and 200 podcasts that are looking for experts with all the templates, the follow-up sequences, the email to send to get booked and featured, then make sure you you get it right now. You can find it at gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle. So it's gtex.events forward slash publicity iPhone bundle, or just scroll down in the show notes and you will see it there. As well, if you are the first time you are joining us, uh, if you like the episode, which I'm sure you will, make sure you subscribe and also leave us a review. Let us know at the end what you like. Uh, having said that, it's time to introduce our guest for today. Uh, my guest today is Angelo Ponzi. Uh, we, we got we got a, a, a fellow fellow Italian, but he's, he's in the US. Uh, and uh, uh, Angelo provides consulting, entering, and fractional marketing services focusing on the strategic and analytical side of marketing, taking a holistic approach to drive business growth. Um, consider him uh, like uh, your marketing architect, using research to gather the necessary insight from customer, prospect, competitors, and the market to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient plans. And today we will talk about marketing in a post-pandemic world. Angelo, welcome to the show. Uh, Simone, thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. It's, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to be on your show and to hopefully uh, share some insights to your listeners. Uh, first of all, uh, we you have Italian origins, uh, so um, uh, t you, tell me your favorite Italian dish. Oh boy, hmm. uh, my favorite Italian dish. It, it's going to sound simple, but it's it's spaghetti and meatballs. Hey, and 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 I have this kind of rule that I have is whenever I go to an Italian restaurant for the first time, I taste their meatballs. And if their meatballs are good, then everything else I know is going to be good. But if their meatballs taste like sawdust or whatever other <laughs> context they have in there, I, I immediately get turned off. I, I, I live in California, but I grew up in New York. And mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of Italians, a lot of home cooking. My grandmother had a pot big enough to cook a human in it. I mean, it was so freaking big. You know, family dinners were 14, 15 people. And so, you know, you grew up in that. I mean, you know, they're from the old country. 
or from mm-hmm. the new country, depending on how you want to look at it. And so I, I, I have a particular taste when it comes to Italian. And a lot of times here in, in California, you just don't get that cooking style. Yeah. Uh, interesting, quick story. I found a restaurant. I loved it. I'd been there eating there for years. And one day I met the, the owner and I started talking to him. And it turned out to be the reason I loved the food because he was from New York. I had no idea. <laughs> It's like I knew there was something special in there these meatballs. Uh, that... Oh my God! Yeah, they were fantastic. <laughs> they were fantastic. And it is, a, I think, is is a great analogy as well um, in terms of uh, marketing. You know, um, I'm assuming that you know, if you, you you said if I test their meatballs, if they're not good enough, I know the rest is not going to be good enough because uh, if you miss the basics or yes. some of the basic dishes, then even the other ones, you know that. Uh, maybe they're not going to be that great because you cannot even get the basics right. And uh, I, I can see the, the analogy in marketing. <laughs> oh, you know, you're absolutely right. It, it, and that's the conversation I have a lot of time with people is, is they'll say, are, are you an expert in you know, whatever, pharmaceuticals? And I said, it doesn't matter. I'll learn that. But, but I can't learn to be an expert at marketing overnight. And so it's back to the basics. I don't care what business anybody's in. There's certain basics and processes and, and steps you need to take to really identify your target audiences, how to market to them, you know, growth strategies. They're, they're just, there's a, I don't call it a process, but there are certain fundamentals that you have to understand how to approach that. And mm-hmm. sometimes that gets blurred with, hey, I need a website. I need a digital marketing campaign. Yeah, you probably do, but there's a whole lot of other things you need first. Now, before we talk about how things have changed uh, in uh, now in a, in this pandemic or post-pandemic world, um, let's. Uh, I, I want. I'm curious about what inspired you to start this marketing career. Oh, you know, I, I've been doing it now for uh, you know 25 plus years. And uh, I started off in the advertising business, working for advertising agencies. Actually, my first agency was an agency at the time called Bozell, and it was a, a global organization. So I, I got some big, broad exposure. And then I uh, went client side and, and pretty much have jumped back and forth between client side and agency side. And uh, at one point in time, I, I decided that uh, I was gonna become a consultant. And then that ended up morphing into my own agency and so I, I just always felt that instead of com- complaining about clients <laughs> and they didn't know what they were doing, I wanted to become one. And, mm-hmm. and I learned what it was like to sit on that side and how to deal with agencies. And, and so this time around, when I started this company in 2014, it just grew out of frustration. Once again, I was the director of sales and marketing for an organization. They got acquired. The new people didn't, didn't understand what my division did. And I could see over time, they were just eroding our capabilities. And, you know, I didn't really have the, the wherewithal to go through, you know, that kind of transition again. And I decided after two and a half years, I'm just going to go off and, and run my own thing once again. And it's like, okay, I just need to be in charge here. <laughs> well, yeah. What, and it wasn't as, even as much as being in charge, but controlling my own destiny. The, yeah. So, when I, when I joined this organization, it was a small company and they were, I was told by the recruiter, oh, there's all these opportunities. You could get stock and all these kinds of things. Six months in, they sold it to a big technology company. 
And they were after a piece of our business. There was some government stuff. But over time, I could re I recognized they just didn't understand. The new C the CEO would come out and, you know, we'd pass in the hallways, we'd talk. And, you know, he didn't really care about what I was doing. I actually got chastised one time that it took me six months to land my first $50,000 project with Disney. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why did it take so long? Why don't you just pick up the phone, call us? It doesn't work that way. Because it's Disney. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> actually six months to land Disney as a client, it was, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, it was not bad at all. I was really proud of myself. Of course, they deflated that. And so he retired and a new CEO came in and I gave him a lot of credit. He wanted to hear from all the department heads. And so I'm in this meeting presenting what we're doing, but sitting next to me is the original CEO. And so I made my presentation. I sat down. He leaned over to me and says, wow, what you do is really fascinating. And I looked at him and I wanted, I wanted to say, are you kidding me? You've been like the CEO of this company for two years. We've been talking and he had no idea what we did. It just, I knew that was the case and he proved it. So I was like, you know, that's just not an organization for me anymore. And I moved on. I'm curious to know, um, what were some, if you think about all the projects that you have done, uh, is there one particular project that stands out either because uh, you, you absolutely loved it uh, or was particular? It's like the best project you, you have been involved in. Well, that's a good question. Um, there's, there's been a lot, of, a lot of good ones. I mean, it, uh, I would say I, I worked in the wine industry for a while and uh, the Jackson family, which is uh, uh, Jack, Kendall, uh, Kendall Jackson or La Crema. And those were interesting projects because they they were really comprehensive. We got to do everything we needed to do. We did research, you know, we did strategy, we did creative execution, and we did plans. But I remember um, in, in so going through that process, it was it allowed us to really do the job we needed to do. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, I, when I was working on La Crema, for example, I traveled around the country trying to understand why the brand was growing and why people loved it because there was no, nobody knew why it was just all of a sudden it was exploding and we knew they had it in the bottle, but from a brand standpoint, we just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. I mean, it, those were really exciting uh, projects. I worked on a household cleaner that uh, was doing market expansion and doing a lot of uh, line extensions. And so going out into the marketplace and testing all these new products, so, I mean, th those are fun. And then, you know, on the flip side, I've done product testing for Solomon ski boots and, and for uh, skateboard shoes. So I, I can't say I've got a particular one that I would say that is my favorite because I've got a lot of favorites. But there's some interesting ones. Like we were testing, that a new client was coming to us and they were a margarine, like a butter, right? Mm -hmm. But a, yeah, but a, yeah. Like, I can't believe it's not butter. It's not them, but somebody like them. Mm -hmm. So we're having these conversations. They're probably in our third meeting. It's our, it's our potentially last meeting. And they tell us we finally have product. We're going to bring it to eat. Uh, you know, so have some bagels ready and, or whatever. And we'll bring it to eat in the meeting. And so they did. And we're, you know, buttering our bagels. And we start taking bites. And you could see everybody's eyes. It was horrible. Just horrible. <laughs> you know? And, and so now you're, we're all thinking, and, and you know, and kind of the post analysis is like, oh my God, what are we going to do with this? Um, 
because it didn't taste very good at all. So, you know, I have a few of those stories where you... So don't you have an internal conflict in that moment? Because now you got to come up with an interesting marketing campaign for something that you don't like. Well, in that particular case, we, we had, you know, let them know we had decided to pass because mm. it really, to your point, it's a conflict. How do we market something that we know that wasn't good? We had another story like that where it was a uh, fast food chain and we realized that we had never eaten there. So about an hour before the meeting, we all ran across the street and ate at one of the, the chains. And then during the meeting, one by one, everybody started excusing themselves and everybody got uh, in wow. intestinal issues. <laughs> wow. And so we passed on that one too, because the, obviously they <laughs> represent a company that the, the stuff wasn't good. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's probably a few of those interesting stories, um, but yeah, they, they, you know, it's, there's always a challenge, and I and I, it, and when I think about marketing a particular product, I mean, it really, I, I say this over and over and over again, and and I'll say it to your audience, it's about knowing your customer. It really is so important that you could have the greatest product in the world, but if you can't are not relevant to them and figuring out a way to solve their problem, they're just you know they're not going to buy it. And there yeah. is competition. If anybody tells you or tells me, I don't have any competition. There's no, always competition, right? And so, so back to your point, it's the basics. It's understanding those basics and, and digging in and really deconstructing everything as opposed to like deconstructing the competitors, deconstructing the marketplace and looking for those nuances and opportunity gaps, if you will, that you can take advantage of. So let, let's look at the meatballs of marketing in this episode. That's what yeah, we are going to, go. the meatballs of marketing. I think, <laughs> I, think I, might change, I, change, I might change the title of the episode. The meatballs of marketing in a post-pandemic world. That's going to yeah. be the title. It's going to be after the live. And maybe so, as a promo, you can make meatballs and we can send them around the world. <laughs> I love it. So um, uh, now, how things have changed now? What have you seen? Because now you're you're working with a lot of clients. Uh, they had to adapt uh, the the way they were marketing. So I would love actually to look at the the, the timing. Uh, how did you find from the moment of the first COVID cases, or actually, or let's not put first COVID cases from the moment of the first like big shutdown sure. to now? How did you find the marketing of companies evolving in such a short period of time? Right, right. So what happened is, and I'll call it a recession, okay? I look at, I look at even though it's a pandemic, I look at it as, as a recessionary time. And the reason I did is because I wanted to understand what happened in history. Well, the last pandemic was 1918. There wasn't a whole lot of data on it. And so... But there were multiple recessions and, and we started, started seeing the economy tank. We started seeing businesses preserving cash, right? So what happened with me and happened to other people that I know in marketing, their clients stopped marketing, mm -hmm. started looking to cut their fees, drop out, not do anything because they wanted to build that operational cash, if you will, so they could stay afloat. In, in doing research and looking at previous recessions, what companies did, I, I wrote some articles on this and did a lot of lecturing, is that was the biggest mistake they could make. The biggest mistake a company could make in a time like this, any recession, and we're going to have another recession, I'm positive, going forward. And if yep. it's not now, there's going to be one in the future, yep. is the reaction is stop everything. 
But marketing is an investment, not an expense. And when you drop out of the market, and if your competition doesn't, or you stop being present in front of the minds of your customers, you potentially have damaged your brand. And, and, it, and time and time again, it has proved in history that those that continue to invest, and maybe they've modified their investment, but those that continue to invest, when they come out of the, the, the recession, they have a much better chance of uh, defeating their competition and, and continuing to grow their business versus just trying to survive. And, and so it's been proven over and over and over again. There's tons of articles, like I said, I, I wrote about this and I have a blog on it. And so that was probably from early February, let's say, or late February when everybody started pulling back because now the pandemic looked real, right into May. Hmm. And right around May, I started getting calls. People saw me speak or whatever, and they wanted to talk about this idea. And so into June and July, I started getting calls about putting together proposals. But a lot of people were still hesitant. They were looking for, I don't know, a silver bullet, if you will. Yeah. You know, I need that silver bullet. And I always yeah. jokingly say there's silver bullets are only good for killing werewolves <laughs> or pretending you're the Lone Ranger. Right. Other than that, there is no silver bu bullet in marketing. Mm -hmm. and, and so having those conversations they're, they're they were unclear on their path. And so I spent a lot of time trying to help get clarity on what is the path forward and how can they start to reinvest and re-engage with their customers. Then I'm going to say in August, it started to really flip. Companies that had not been doing anything now wanted to start investing again. But not only invest in marketing, they wanted to start to invest in research. Now they were unclear back to not having a clear path. They don't know because what I would say to them, do you know what damage was done in the markets that you serve? I have a company that, that works in the Christmas industry. Yeah. Well, their customers are malls entertainment centers, shopping centers. Well, those have been extremely hurt by mm -hmm. the pandemic. So their market, even the company is sur surviving and thriving to some degree, right? They're still there. Their marketplaces have dried up a little bit. So you have to understand what's, what kind of damage was done in the marketplace that you serve. Then you have to start looking at strategies. Can I expand? Can I look at different markets with the same products that I have and start looking at various strategies? So that's kind of that kind of evolution of where I'm at right now and in, in seeing and speaking, but also dealing with clients. It's been and, really interesting on how just so many different stages in such, a, in such a short space of time. It's almost like what would happen normally in like in a period of years in the history of a company. And it happened in, in a period of a few months. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's a great, great point. What happened, happened quickly, there's a, um, a quote, I believe it's the CEO of Microsoft. And it said, you know, the digital transformation has been accelerated that we've experienced two years of digital growth in two months. Yeah. And, and again, McKinsey uh, has put out a bunch of research on this, that, and some others, that digital transformation has changed the way people work. Right. So there was a, st a statistic that I used to quote. It's like 85% of customers are online and evaluating and identifying who their potential partners are. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, after I actually read the study, the 85% is true, but it's, but, but it's more interesting than that. There's been an 85% increase between 2016 and 2019 of people now doing their initial research online. 
Yeah. But even more important, the evaluation that they're doing online. So things like digital, uh, you know, online demos and, and helping people get to the next stage in the funnel has increased in the same time period, 239%. So that online presence now and, and, and is becoming even more important than it ever has. Why? We're working at home. We're, we're having a Zoom conference. We have, I don't know, this is probably, it's late in the evening for you. This is probably your fifth or sixth of the day. It's already my second of the day and I'm yeah. in the morning. And, and so we're doing that. I mean, I've already researched three things online and set up two demos of products that I find interesting. So that dynamic shift has changed and, and companies really need to recognize that. And it's not only has it changed, it's going to stay. Uh, it, it definitely is a fascinating time, as you mentioned. It's like we experienced this uh, like two years of uh, digitalization in a couple of months. And uh, a, a lot of companies uh, and uh, people as well, if you're looking at small like businesses, you have one, two people in the business, where they had to adapt really quick. I mean, uh, we were lucky with GTEx because uh, uh, even if though we were an event company, um, I and mean, we still are an event company and training company, but we went from running 200 events a year and we had an online presence, a digital presence, but our aim is to get people online and then get them to move offline. Mm -hmm. Now, the pandemic changed completely our business model, but I was really lucky because I could play the online game. It's just I chose not to focus majorly on the line game because I love the event industry. And so for us, we're really lucky. Actually, we changed really like in a month or everything and experience uh, like actually a, a growth um, in, in this period because uh, now we don't have all the venue costs that we had before. It's like before we spent like 50, 60 grand a year just in venues. Uh, they're not happening anymore right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I found that there are a lot of companies that either, like I, I was really, I was really blessed that I spent so much time learning about digital marketing, conversion campaigns, and so on. But there are not a lot of people that they've thrown themselves in the deep end right now, and so now they need to have this. is a, is a matter of life or death. Either you learned about this stuff, or your business is out. So. If someone now need, is still needs to adjust or they've, they've started researching, but they don't really know where to go in terms of development of their marketing campaigns, um, what, what points would you suggest someone to, for that every company should, should, should use? Yeah, I mean, I, if I understand, I mean, I think the, the steps that I think some, a company needs to take, and again, back to what I said earlier, they need to understand their customers, their marketplace, and their competition. I mean, it, 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 it a simple approach is you have to really dissect that. Mm -hmm. And part of it, if you're looking at how your customers are consuming information, right? Are they still old school and getting, you know, magazines? Or are they doing everything online? Are they watching videos? And then, and then on this flip side, looking at your competition, how, how is your competition marketing? You know, mm -hmm. I sign up when I'm working with a client, I sign up for all their, their emails and their newsletters. Why? Because I wanted to see what they're doing. I want to see how they nurture me to move down the, the channel, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, this, that investigation, and, and I'm a big stickler on competitive analysis. And most companies tend to do it once a year. 
and they think they've done it. And it's to me, it's ongoing. And, and, and it's how do you set up this ongoing analysis and taking this information and feeding it back into the organization? Why? Because I believe if you're not watching your competition, they're watching you. And so just those simple basics, but, but more importantly, watching what they're doing. I've worked with companies before and they said, oh, we got a great digital presence. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever it happens to be. And then I go to their sites and it's like, well, you haven't posted in nine months. That's not a digital presence. That's, so to me, it's like, if you're not going to use it, take it down because I think it does more damage. So just because these social channels, for example, are available, doesn't mean you need to use them all. I always say to companies, let's pick one or two or three that make the most sense and let's do them well, then we can expand, right? Mm-hmm. Don't go to YouTube. I, I love this. I was like on a site the other day and they had a YouTube, it literally was uh, Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube. And I went to the YouTube site. The last video they posted was seven years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's it, shows, uh, it, shows, it shows that you don't care. It shows that uh, I don't even know if you're in business anymore if I go exactly. to the YouTube channel. Exactly. So, so when it comes to the kind of the tactical strategies, there, I think there's some cert, certain aspects that you need to do, but I think it's, it's rooted in what you, uh, your customers, right? Okay. Understanding and that per buyer persona, if you will, to understand how they consume information is going to help guide. I have a question around competitor analysis. Do you have something that uh, you would advise someone is listening right now to get started with that? I, I do. Actually, if you go to my website, uh, www.theponzigroup.com, mm-hmm. on there is an ebook called Establishing a Competitive, Competitive Intelligence Program kind of a step-by-step guide on how to establish and how to utilize competitive intelligence. That's the, the best offer I have because, and it's free, but it, I, I spent a lot of time putting that together because I was frustrated with, with a client one day because they didn't understand. So I ended up, by the time I did all the research and told them, I decided to put together an ebook. So there's an ebook there on, on how to do that. Because again, it's, it's not difficult but the one thing I do advise anybody who's thinking about that is don't hand it over to a junior person. Don't hand it over to the receptionist. Put mm-hmm. someone in charge of it. And part of being in charge means they have to be responsible for reporting that information. Collecting information and doing nothing with it is basically nothing. Uh, I, you'll appreciate this. I was in a meeting and uh, the client was showing me their SWAT for two, early in 2019. I said, this is fantastic. I said, do you, have you been doing these? They go, oh yeah, we've been doing them for five years. I said, great. Can I see them all? They said, sure. And they gave them to me and I laid them out side by side and they virtually did not change in five years. So it's like, well, you did it, but you didn't do anything with it. Right. So you just can't go through the motions, putting together a plan that that you don't implement, you know, putting people in charge and setting up milestones and, and whatever the KPIs happen to be. I mean, that's how you move the business forward. Uh, And so I'm going to get off on tangents and I don't want to do that. But but really is the competitive thing is so important to me because just by dissecting, I just finished a project where we we deconstructed five of our competitors' websites, my client's competitors' Mm -hmm. website. I knew their brand personalities. I knew their messaging strategies. I also could look for gaps in the way they weren't communicating properly. And 
and I, I and we do a thing called keywords, and I look for kind of commonality in all the words that they're talking about. Which ones I use a word cloud, and I see which ones kind of blow yeah. up yeah. the biggest. So I can say these are important, you know, uh, table stakes or ante if you're a poker player that that need to be important. Now, how do we say it differently than everybody else? You know, that's the challenge. But if everybody's saying, you know, whatever X Y Z then maybe it's important because your biggest competitors are all saying that. So from a messaging standpoint, we, we can just make an assumption that it's important. Now, how do we say it differently than everybody else? So that's relevant to the customer. And the other thing I, mm. I do advise people is don't talk about yourself, talk about the value you bring to your customers. Then, you know, it's like our products are great. You're going to love us. They're going to last a long time. Man, that's great. Everybody blah, says blah, 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 blah right? <laughs> So talk about the value and how your customers are going to benefit from all of that. You know, then you can tell them about all the wonderful reasons why for your product, right? But you've got to have that, that why is it going to benefit them? And so many times I just look at customers' web or client competitors' websites or clients' websites, and they talk about how great they are. And frankly, who cares? We have been in business since 1955. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, great, <laughs> great for you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, and I, 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 the other thing I do is I look at uh, differentiation strategies and, mm -hmm. and, and you just said something that triggered me as I remember, and I've worked with several companies that go, well, one of our biggest points of differentiation, we've been in business for 30 years. I go, wow, fantastic. I love that. Now, is that a true differentiation or is that just a reason to believe us? Oh, no, it's a true differentiator. So I examined the competitors and I said, well, interesting. This competitor has been in business for 23 years. This one's been in business for 30 years. This one's been in business for 20. So your competitors can say the same thing. So I can't really yeah. differentiate you. And it has no value as a differentiator to say, we know our stuff because we've been in business this long because everybody else can say that. So how do you truly differentiate based on something that's valuable to your customers, rare, that means they don't, your competitors don't have it, and it's difficult to imitate. You know, because I got this whiz bang technology. My first question is, how long does it take to copy it? Mm -hmm. And that, and that's going to tell you how long you're going to have a point of differentiation. Uh, and how long you're going to be in business. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, um, it's, it's really interesting. I want to move uh, into the next part because I, I want to ask a few questions about finding differentiators. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to put the link of the ebook uh, that Angelo mentioned in the show notes. So make sure that you scroll down the show notes, uh, get the ebook around competitor analysis because it's crucial. I'm just definitely going to use it because I definitely, uh, I have an eye on it, I have a pulse on it but I don't do it uh, um, meticulously or consistently. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to downloading the ebook and using it, Angelo. Uh, I want to now move, uh, you mentioned about differentiator and uh, this is definitely one of the things that uh, makes a difference in, uh, uh, in, in, a, post, uh, in a post pandemic world. Mm -hmm. Because now uh, I, what I found, and I don't know if you found the same as well, but as a consumer myself, observing myself and observing other people I'm with, I do more research now than I was doing before the pandemic, before buying a product or a service. I don't know if you come across the same point or it's just something that I'm doing because I became a bit more skeptical. What's your view on that? Uh That's an interesting question. I, I'm going to probably agree with you that I, that I spend a little more time 
and I think we're inundated with more messaging right now. Right, we're, we've always been inundated. I mean, I, I forget the latest statistics. There used to be like 5,000 messages a day, then it's 10,000 messages. I mean, we're- Now it's like billions of messages a day. Yeah, <laughs> we, we could do nothing but just read emails and, and you know go look at things all day long. So we're making conscious choices. I get a, I'm sure like you, you get a stream of emails every day and you're, mm-hmm. you don't want to totally unsubscribe because you never know when you're going to get something interesting. So I just started <laughs> deleting stuff, right? I never yeah. know when Black Friday hits and when I can open the email. Yeah, yeah, I gotta make sure I'm not missing anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's so funny. Uh, one of my sons sent me an email. Says, you know, Black Friday starts Friday. You know, you gotta send me all your stuff. It's like, yeah, trust me, there will be lots of deals. But yeah, you just, you know, you're paying attention to what's going on, and 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 so, I think that because we're home in a sense, and people are working. They have more time on their hands or they're working longer hours or sitting in front of the screen. So I, I think there's a lot more. It's just, but again, I don't think this is going to change. I think we're seeing a fundamental shift in the way we'll work going forward. Productivity is up for a lot of organizations. And of course there's, you know, those that are spending whatever, $750 a square foot on office space. They don't need to have that expense anymore. You know, Well, I know, like with you, I mean, you can pivot when time go back to stage, but you can also continue what you're doing and save yourself a lot of money because you don't right. need the overhead, right? Yeah. So we're going to see those fundamental switches. Right. Switch. We will. Uh, we will go. We will go back to events as soon as we can, but running instead of running uh, 200 a year, we already cut down to 30 to 40, and having the rest of them being online. So yeah. that def- already there has been a structural change moving forward. The one thing I, I do want to say with this kind of online research and shopping, if you will, is, is I, I have found that a lot of brands are making a lot of promises and they're not delivering on those promises. Mm-hmm. So, so anybody who makes you know, a demo promise or try our software, you know, it's, it's very difficult to build the credibility of a brand and certainly get to a point of loyalty. Yeah. Brand building takes time. And it literally takes moments to destroy years worth of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a case in point, I've been solicited by the software company, uh, sales program, sales CRM, you know, and so it's simple to use, easy to use, blah, blah, blah. So I finally acquiesced and I said, okay, I'll give it a shot, 14 day trial. So I put in two or three different uh, customers. I wanted to see how I could track it, how easy, but I got confused very quickly. You know, I, And, and I'm the hunting and pecker, right? I don't like to read all the instructions. I just start yeah, clicking. Yeah. If I can yeah. figure it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I couldn't figure it out. I emailed them twice. And it was like, if you have trouble, send this, you know, contact us. Like, so I contacted them a couple times, looked, asked for a demo. I sent them emails. And in 14 days, I never heard from them. So they lost a customer. But more importantly, here I am today. I haven't mentioned their name and I won't. But here I am today. I could literally mention their name and you're... Yeah. Thousands and thousands of listeners are going to go, I don't want to try that product. Right. So I don't know. So it's very important that it doesn't take much to destroy a brand and it takes a lot to build it. Yeah. So when you are talking, uh, last, last question, if you want to differentiate yourself, where can a business start? Uh, where would you start from a business point of view? What is one thing that someone can do to be clear on their differentiating points? Yeah, so, so what I have 
uh, stakeholders in the company do. Individually, I have them list what they think their key differentiators are. And then, and then I get them all together. And so a company can do this and then get together and have someone be the point person and really look and examine what that list is and then think about their competition. Things like we hire great people or we have great people is not a differentiator. Why? Because they have great people, right? We've been in business to your point, 30 years. Well, maybe they've been in business 30 years. You can't, it's a reason to believe us it maybe not be a true differentiator unless you've been in business 30 years and everybody else has been in business for five years or 10 years, yeah. then you can claim it. But when it gets into technology and things like that, if you know, we're, we're easy to use. Well, they're easy to use. But if you've got a, a piece of technology, for example, that is very valuable in what you're offering, it's difficult, it's rare in the sense that nobody else has it. And it's difficult to imitate. It might take a competitor years. That's, to me, a, a distinct competitive advantage. Or you've got a distribution network that nobody else has, something you can capitalize on. How long? It kind of depends on how quickly they can they yeah. can imitate it, right? So I look at valuable, rare, and whether it's easy to imitate or not. And that's kind of the smell test I put against whatever the criteria is and really push back to make people say, can you really benefit from that? And if you can, then we've got something that we can differentiate on. I love it. I love it. And for someone that is, for example, like we have a lot of coaches, consultants, um, where maybe they are not like, it's more, they, they don't have a specific piece of technology, but it's more about their knowledge, their differentiator. Where would you get them to start? Well, actually the same process because it's about understanding where, where you fit within your competitive set. So we've heard me say customers, know your customers, know your yeah. competitors. Yeah. right know your market so you have to figure out where you fit if so here's a here's a great example i belong to an organization and and it's a networking group and the very first time i went to this networking group it was 40 people sitting in the room by the time it got to me because i was a guest i was like number 38 <laughs> and i had already heard seven people say i'm a marketing i'm a digital marketing i'm a brand expert you know i'm a strategist so when it got to me, I was like, what the heck am I going to say that's going to differentiate me? And I'm sure my answer was not very good. Mm -hmm. So during the course of, of being in the, the, the pandemic and we're doing all these meetings online, I've got to attend a lot of meetings. And so one of the things I did is I actually called up everybody who claimed they were a marketing person or a brand expert, and I had a conversation with them. And the idea is, hey, I'm new to the thing. I want to figure out where you fit, where I fit. And I was able to figure out ways to differentiate myself from what I consider my competitors. Now, mm -hmm. that might not be a, a, a total strategy, but in investigating their, how they position themselves on their website, how they position themselves within this organization, I was able to figure out that the guy saying, I'm a branding expert, well, he was actually more creative and he didn't do the strategic work that I did, right? right? This person is, I'm a, I'm a digital marketer. Well. They were really about execution, not about strategy. You know, this person does research. Okay, I do research, but what I found out is they weren't strategy. They were pure research people. They're like more like data scientists, yeah. and they didn't really know what to do with the data once they had of it. 
I know what to do with the data. Matter of fact, one of my considered one of my biggest competitors in this organization hires me to do their research. <laughs> and the reason they like me because I can help interpret the data into marketing. Yeah. As opposed to just handing them a bunch of data. So, so from a, a coaching standpoint and consultant standpoint, like, like I am, is I always look to figure out who is my competitive set? What can I know about them? And if appropriate, just frankly talking to them to figure out, hey, I just heard about you or whatever, and maybe there's a way we can work together. And in that conversation, I can figure out very quickly whether um, mm-hmm. you know, they are true competitors or whether there's opportunities. That's brilliant. Uh, I love it. I love the strategy, and uh, in particular because uh, you can, uh, you can do you're doing market research. You are getting clearer as well. I think by it's almost like a process of elimination. It's like oh, but they don't do this. So suddenly something that is obvious to you now is not obvious anymore because right. the other person doesn't do it, and because you do it now, we automatically assume that they do it too. Like probably in your case, like you might have assumed that they, all these people were doing the strategic work that you do, but actually they don't. So very powerful, very powerful. I really like that. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, the the opening statement you read about me actually came out of the very process I just told you about. Mm -hmm. And, And when I was describing what I do to people, they said, oh, you're like an architect. And I went, oh my God, that's brilliant. Such a great metaphor. And Such then I started to shape it up. And, and, and now I can go into any of these meetings and, and use that positioning and nobody else is there. Hmm. And, uh, and so again, it, it, it just as a way to separates us um, from those conversations. Uh, that, that's brilliant. So Angelo, it's time to wrap up. Uh, what is a, uh, someone wants to reach out to you, uh, get in touch with you. You mentioned already your website. Uh, what is it? What is the best way? Well, best way is really LinkedIn. Um, in, in, and I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I do a lot of, of publishing and postings, but that, but I always answer those messages. So anybody wants to get in contact, that's the best place to connect with me there. And then of course I would be remiss if I didn't mention my podcast, uh, the Business Growth Cafe, which you were a guest on. That's and how we met. Your That's audience met. will listen to that show as well, as well as this one. Uh, we had a great time. That's why you invited me to your show. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been, as I mentioned earlier on, it's been one of my favorite shows this year. Uh, we had a lot of fun and a lot of great insights uh, to go along with it. So we yeah. educated through some humor. Uh, it was so fun. I, literally, if you're listening to this one, go to the Business Growth Cafe. Uh, is, uh, the website is uh, www.businessgrowthcafe.com. And uh, you can find, just type like Simone Vincenzi, you can get listen to the interview that, that we did as part of his show and make sure uh, check out also the other episodes. Because in particular, if you are around, if you want to know more about marketing and learning from other business owners, it's a great podcast to be to, to listen to. And uh, the website is uh, www.theponsigroup.com. And then as well, we will have the ebook uh, as well in the show notes uh, that Angelo mentioned earlier about doing your competitor analysis. So these are, all those resources are going to be as well in the show notes. Uh, Angelo, final message from you to our listeners. Uh, if there is uh, one thing you would say that, wrap, uh, that would wrap up the conversation that we had so far, what would your final message be? 
Don't forget the basics. Be persistent and consistent. And I'm going to say it one more time. Know your customer. There we go. Know your customers. And as well, if you're going to an Italian restaurant, enjoy your meatballs. Meatballs. (laughs) We started with meatballs, the interview. We wrap up with meatballs. And if you're vegan, do vegan meatballs. (laughs) And I literally go to restaurants and I order a salad and meatballs a lot of times. It's just, you know, an antipasto and and meatballs. And of course, you know, bread, I'm a, it's not good for me. But I love bread, and it's, it's, I love my I love my bread too. I try to yeah, not to eat too much, but <laughs> I love my I love my bread too. All right, Angelo, thank you very much for being on the show, and uh, uh, it was an incredible episode. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, Simone. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening right now, if you're listening on the on the podcast, or if you're watching on Facebook right now, you're part of the Facebook group. Um, thank you for watching. Uh, the Facebook group is Explode Your Expert Biz Community. Uh, so if, if you're listening, for example, on the podcast or YouTube, then uh, jump on Facebook, find Explode Your Expert Biz Community, and uh, then you can join the group and uh, get the episodes in advance where we live stream them inside the Facebook group. You can ask questions as well to our guests and, and get the conversation going. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform and also leave us a review. Uh, let us know what you enjoy the most. Uh, if you like what we do, our reviews uh, do are, are really important. They help us spread the message even more. We get more listeners. So if you like the work that we do, really appreciate to take uh, literally 30 seconds to write that review. And if you are watching on YouTube, then make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave me a comment as well under the YouTube channel. And I personally respond to every single, to every single comment. Thank you for being part of our community. And until next time, always remember that together we grow exponentially. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.